0: Hey guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code, TPCOFFEE15, to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and I'm here with my two good friends, Rahul and Alex. Guys, positive news, I guess, after a few weeks of up and
1: down then. Rahul, welcome back, how's it going? It's going well, it's good to see Alex here, and I guess it's fitting he's back with the Pulisic last minute winner. Exactly,
2: Alex, how are things going in your world? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been busy lately, but a nice nice time to hop back on with Captain America getting the business done last minute and giving me some nice fuel for, uh, for the haters online.
0: That's all we could say, and that's all we need is to get these people off our back. And like I said earlier, it has been up and down, but good to get that 19th-minute winner. But let's get jumping right into it. As a London derby, guys, we played West Ham. Rahul, do you want to take us through the starting 11?
1: Yes, sir. So Mendy starts in goal, uh, kind of straightforward at this point. Chalaba makes a return. I believe he hasn't played since the end of February, maybe March. Challenge so it's good, good to see him back. Thiago Silva comes back into his spot. Espalicueta on the other side with the absence of Rüdiger uh, and Christensen, who, who had a, a stomach issue. Loftus-Cheek back in his new right wing-back position. Engolo Conte, Jorginho in midfield. Alonso left wing-back in our uh, normal front three for the past few games with Kai Mount and
0: Timo Werner. So before we dive into that starting eleven and dissected, Alex, news coming out that Rüdiger will be moving on and pursuing his play elsewhere next season. I think it's going to be outside of the Premier League news coming out that most likely Real Madrid but there's still possibility of Juventus coming through. So your thoughts on Rudiger leaving Chelsea and maybe a quick summary on his career so far with us.
2: Yeah, it's a big that's a big big miss and I think every every Chelsea fan knows how valuable he's been to us, how key he has been, not only on the pitch, but also just as a leader and bringing his sort of fiery attitude. Um, It's really infectious and you can tell that he definitely spreads that kind of belief and and passion and fight among his teammates. Um, I mean, no more so than in that that game where he really played out of his mind against Real Madrid, where we had (laughs) that unlucky exit at the Bernabeu, now maybe he'll be headed there. but it's just clear that he he plays with passion. He leaves it all on the pitch, and he's transformed into really, uh, arguably, I mean, in the conversation for best defenders in the Premier League, um, in the past couple of years, he's really just, I don't know, sh- shot up in in the way that he's improved his form, his skills, and just really dominated play for us at the back. So. I mean, I've got to say, as much as it's tempting to to whine and cry and say, I wish we could have kept him, that's just how it works. And I think, unfortunately, the sanctions um, and the ownership situation maybe put the final nail in the coffin with us unable to offer him security at a time when he's looking for probably his last major contract um, at really the peak of his playing career. So. No bad blood there for me. I know maybe he's not as much of a Chelsea legend as Hazard, but I see it as a similar departure. You can't blame him for, for taking another challenge on. Um, and he served us really well in his time here. He's won us some amazing trophies. That Champions League block comes to mind. Absolutely crucial goal-saving tackle um, to help us beat Manchester City. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's all I can say is I I do wish him luck. No bad blood there, hopefully. And hopefully the fans show him – uh, the respect he deserves, and he shows the fans the respect they deserve. And it's a, a nice, amicable parting. I obviously wish we could have kept him, but I'm I'm glad that we've had some time with him, really, at the peak of his performance. Yeah, and I think a lot of Chelsea
0: fans will echo your sentiments. Rahula, we've seen comments on the Premier Chelsea page about people wishing Rudiger would stay, praising him. I don't think anybody has been negative, similar to a Courtois situation where people were very negative about that just like Alex said, it's more along the Eden Hazard side. Thank you for your service. You've handled yourself well, very professional at this point. I know Alex touched on it. Some of the things that are leading him to go is because of the ownership situation, potentially because we can't resolve that, but it always felt, especially after January, he kind of had his foot out the door and was looking for a fresh challenge. So your quick thoughts on Rudiger as well, before we move on with the game.
1: Yeah. I share a lot of what Alex has said. I, I look back to when Tuchel came in and, and Rudiger was out of the squad. Uh, not one of the players that were favored or was favored by Lampard towards the end of his tenure. And, and Tuchel comes in and transforms, not only Rudiger, but a lot of the players that were uh, in under Lampard. And, and Rudiger stands out because he suddenly became this leader, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. We've seen his influence. Uh, and suddenly we said, hold on a second. We've always had a great player here. He wasn't being utilized maybe to his strengths, maybe the right way uh, under Lampard, but Tuchel seen it and and given him the opportunity and he's, he's earning it. Right. Uh, And then came the old issue of he's got a year left and and can Chelsea pay him? There was rumors of 400,000. I think the three of us have discussed it. That was just crazy amounts of money. I think Chelsea did end up making an offer of about 250,000 pounds a week, which would have made him one of the highest earners at the club he said no and then the sanctions came in and, and it is what it is at this point. I We wish him well. He goes to Real Madrid if that's where he goes and and I would just say the grass isn't always greener on the other side and and he may realize that when he goes and sees Aiden Hazard in the hospital a few <laughs> times but good luck to him and and it concerns me with what we're going to be left with in the sense that Rudiger is going, Christensen is going, Espalicueta might be going so we are going to be light in that position so Hopefully the ownership situation, which seems like it's going to come down to Todd Boley and his group, uh, get sorted out soon because we have some work and and players to bring in 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 the summer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And both of you guys have said really kind words about Rüdiger. And I'll just wrap up really quickly in his time with us. He's won an FA Cup, a Champions League, which not every player gets to do. UEFA Europa League, Super League, FIFA World Club Cup. And so he was just missing that. Premier League and maybe an EFL Cup here or there but overall great servant had a lot of success at Chelsea in his time and so he will be missed but like you guys said hopefully we get everything sorted out and we can continue forward from there but back to the game Azpilicueta Rahul you touched on him slides into that left center back position and Azpilicueta another long-term servant who seems to find a way to fit in when called upon and he's played in this left center back position he did okay he did a. I
1: this might be the only one of the positions where he hadn't played so far left, center, back, and, and he does that now. Uh, but I think he did well and, and made up for some of the errors that were made in the Arsenal game. Uh, I think having Thiago Silva there, mm-hmm. you have to give credit to that man. Just the organization, the the ability to see passes and, and cut out dangerous situations helps everyone around him. And, and we saw that in the last game against Arsenal where he didn't start the first half and and we were just all over the place. So yes, Aspilicueta was great, but I think having Tiago next to you just calms everyone down. Yep. Fair enough. Alex, we've heaped a lot of praise on Ruben
0: Loftus-Cheek for being a utility man. We find him at right wing back for this particular game. He's been doing pretty well in the absence of Reese James and seems to be, I don't want to say
2: a natural at the position, but he's slotting in pretty well in there. Your thoughts on Ruben? Yeah, I mean, honestly, in a way, I know he's certainly not the same player at all. And yet his his base attributes do kind of remind me of Reese James and that he's yeah. not the worst person to stick there. It's not a situation of putting in a totally different profile of player because I think you've got pretty similar speed, quite good ball control, decent dribbling, probably his, him Loftus cheek being uh, naturally more of a midfielder has maybe that upper edge and sort of close control technical stuff now obviously Reese we know is very solid defensively and has fantastic delivery of the ball but loftus cheek as has always been one of his strengths in midfield has a pretty powerful build and yeah. and strength in addition to his pretty good ball control so I think he is, you could certainly get a lot worse um, for stepping down from someone as good as Reese James at that right wing back role. Mm-hmm. And I think Loftus Cheek presents a profile um, with physicality, but also technical ability going forward that is not brutally far off. Um, maybe the profile of Reese James, obviously Reese, one of the best in, in the world in his position, he's just a different level, but. I, I do love that Loftus Cheek has turned himself into a utility player and said, "I will go where you need me to go. I will play. I'll give it my best, and I will. I will put in a shift." And coaches love that. I'm sure Tuchel is very happy. I mean, it's not dissimilar to what Polisic was doing uh, at earlier points during this sort of injury-plagued season when he was being thrown at wing back and in midfield and then up top. Um, I think Loftus Cheek is similarly just saying. I'll get out there and I'll do a job wherever you put me. And I think he's certainly more suited to wing back than a Pulisic type. Who's just that quicker, but more fragile, shorter winger frame. Um, So I, I enjoy seeing him uh, putting in that physical presence in that position. And I hope he sticks around and continues to make himself useful because he's putting on a good show lately. And I like the way you said that because you
0: praised Reese James as being world-class. And even though you didn't mean it this way, when you say, Ruben Loss's cheek is just a bit off. It's pretty high praise, in my opinion, for Ruben Loftus-Cheek to be able to measure up to to Reese James in a position that's not necessarily his preferred position. So definitely credit to him. And I think we look very solid with him back there as opposed to maybe trying to force Christian Pulisic to play there or Hakim Ziyech to play there. They're not naturally ready to defend. And so I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek is ready to do the dirty work, which those two gentlemen who are more accustomed to going forward don't necessarily want to do so. Great praise for him, and I think he's doing a good job. Overall, I mean, the squad at this point, Tuchel has a few people that he can pick from. Left-back Alonso is going to come in at this point. He's found that favoured V in the front, Rahul, with Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, and Timo Werner. And interesting enough for this game, for the whole first half, I think we didn't let West Ham out of that penalty area. They almost played the Jose Mourinho style at some point where it was blocks low blocks of fives and we were just hammering and
1: trying to break them down. But it wasn't easy even with the V that we had up there. It wasn't. They they came with a plan which was to sit deep with their three center backs, if you want to call it, even though only one fit center back was in that yeah. back three. Then they had two wing backs who were basically dropping deeper. They had Noble and Suchek in midfield who you know are are defensive minded. And so it was really a back five with two mid holding midfielders and two of their front players dropping deeper. So, and we've struggled against that. We've seen yeah. that this season that when teams come and sit low and sit deep, we've we struggle to find spaces. Even though we did find some, uh, it just wasn't clicking. And and I think that kind of transfers over to the crowd when that happens with yeah just the atmosphere and the frustrations and, and the groans and moans. Um, again, it's not a full Stanford bird, so maybe that impacts it a little bit, but. Uh, I think overall West Ham came with the plan, which was sit deep, sit tight, hit on the counter, and and get whatever we can because they were ultimately focused on Europa League, which is coming up in in on Thursday night. Uh, so they did rest a lot of their players. But I think for us, you you mentioned the V. I think since we've done that, we've not gotten the best out of Kai Havertz, and I say that because he, of course, he hasn't been involved with the goals. He hasn't really scored. Timor and Mason have been doing more of the scoring and, and, and contributing on that side. But I think that might be hampering the way Kai Havertz has been working with maybe his, his false nine positioning. So maybe something for Tuchel to look at ahead uh, in the next few games, but it's getting the job done so I can't complain too much. Yeah, absolutely. I want to
0: focus a little bit on this low block, Alex, when teams set up defensively against us and just some of the stats that I'm looking at here. We had, and I don't have them broken out by half, so forgive me for that, but we had 26 shots in the entire game, but only five on target. We kept 67% of the ball. And this is an important factor for me with that many shots, but only five on target. I think most of them were further out or we weren't able to penetrate that, that low block to get in. Why is it that with you know changing formation or changing shape because we played a back 4 we've played a back 3 we've played a v we've played an a frame we've played 433 three, whatever you want to call it but whenever it comes to this low block when teams sit very tight and just defend chelsea as a, as a whole and it's just not this game overall we don't seem to
2: be able to break them down quick enough to get those goals yeah it's not it's not obviously an easy solution and that's why teams know every team knows that even the best opposition can really be slowed down if they just try to stick enough people in the box and then force them to try to take shots from further out frustrate their ability to play fluidly um i mean teams wouldn't do it against us if it wasn't effective and i think it's certainly it's certainly proven that our our players are naturally you might say because they're so technically skilled Um, they're they're just high class players they're a little more suited to open attacking play where they've got more room to showcase that talent um and i think i think definitely we're you've seen that a lot too that we're we're lethal on transitions we're constantly dangerous in these open matches against bigger teams when you look at our games against real madrid against liverpool we don't always win but we're almost always going back and forth throwing punches getting good shots in um I think it's it's definitely an issue. And that's maybe where you uh you send in Lukaku and you say, Hey, this is the kind of guy, this is the profile that you need sometimes. And we saw his his effectiveness in in getting in and sort of um bullying his way into the box in winning a penalty which wasn't converted, but that's where you sometimes just need those different profiles of players because the Timo Werners and Mason Mounts and Christian Pulisic's and Hakim ZX are great for, for the nice little interplay in and around the box, but sometimes you just need a little more physicality and, and direct attacking, and I think Lukaku made a solid showing of himself when he came on. Um, but it's, it's tough, and it will continue to work against Chelsea. The key is just finding a way to make something happen, and luckily this game we did, obviously it could have gone very differently. Um, but I think unfortunately, as Chelsea fans, we're just gonna to have to get used to that because other teams know it's it really is in a way a sign of respect because they know that if they came out and tried to play against us, we would outclass them.
0: Yeah, and I'm um, glad and you said that. narrow that
2: gap. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because that's the way you described
0: that, Alex. It it brought back memories of our old Chelsea when we would play a team like Barcelona, where we said we are gonna be more physical, we're gonna be low block, we're gonna just absorb the pressure and then hit them on the counter. And it's that was our way of saying. Barcelona, you're a very technically talented side and we can't keep up with that. So we're going to play defensive. And so it's nice to see the journey that Chelsea has come on to get here and say, we want to be that technically gifted side with a lot of class and passes. But now we're seeing the opposite side of the low block and how difficult it can be to break down. It's an effective tactic. But I'm glad you brought up Lukaku. I want to talk about him later. But Rahul, I want to come back to Ingola Kante. I personally have been disappointed, maybe is the easiest word, with his last few appearances he hasn't looked up to speed. I know Tuchel said he's been fasting. He's been on uh, break. He's not been able to get back into it. But for this game, he looked up for it. He looked excited to play the game. Uh, more energetic, dare I say. Uh,
1: did you feel the same about his performance overall? Absolutely. I think we saw flashes and, and hints of the Angolo Kante that we've all come to love and, and appreciate for what he brings to the squad. Uh, I think he's sometimes a, a, a victim of his own High standard that he set. Sure. That when he has even a five percent drop from there, we all go whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on a second. There's, <laughs> there's something wrong with him. Uh, and yes, you mentioned the fasting. I, I, I don't really want to use that as an excuse because there's a lot of other players that are are doing the same and and performing at the highest level. But in this game, you saw angola Conte driving forward. Uh, Alex and I were talking before we started recording. He he had a couple of great shots that could have mm-hmm. easily turned into goals. So. He was influencing the game uh, as much as he could on the attacking side, obviously on the defensive side. Um, he also helped out. So it was good to see those flashes and hopefully that's the the spark of him kind of getting back in form uh, because we will need an, a fully fit N'Golo and a fully informing form Conte going into the rest of the games, especially in the FA Cup final. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we'll
0: talk a little bit more about some of the other players, but overall, the team has played a lot of football this year, gentlemen. It's been a a long year with a lot of games, a lot of competitions, a lot of travel, especially coming off a COVID year where we were all kind of sitting at home and then quickly trying to squeeze everything in. So it's been back to back to back. And I don't want to think about next year where we have to play a World Cup in between the season there. That's going to be very, very interesting. But Alex, I'll come back to you because we were talking a little bit about Lukaku and how he found the space. But before that, you know, we go into that first half. We've done a lot, haven't broken West Ham down. Later on that second half, is bringing on Christian Pulisic. We just talked about him a little bit. Hakim Ziyech and Lukaku. So clearly he's wanting to make the change and look for players that maybe are going to put more crosses in, focus on Lukaku's physical strength to break it down. And eventually it comes in the form of Lukaku winning a, a penalty against Dawson. Can you break
2: down what he did there and what he did right over there specifically? Yeah, I I was just looking at it again before this, and I think his he really showed that. I, I didn't see exactly the setup to it, I saw the isolated chance, but he he showed a nice burst of pace, which we know Lukaku is not actually that slow. Um, and he really just, I mean, the physicality, you see how key it is because he was able to get himself in front of the defender, latch on to a ball. And by when he got into the box, he was able to just position himself in a way that I think some of our other players would have gotten boxed out but he was able to do the boxing out um, ultimately forced uh, the defender to essentially clothesline him and just drag him backwards as he was running into the box. Um, I mean, Lukaku is undoubtedly a skilled center forward. We've seen him perform well at a number of teams. And when you see that kind of just physical, but also burst of pace and um, Frankly, I, I, have, I have faith he probably would have finished it if he hadn't been been pulled back. I think his attributes are clearly there. It's been a tough season for him to gain form. We've been rotating a lot at the front of the pitch. He's had the interview drama. But I think as as we saw on display with that little moment, he's got a turn of pace. He's got, we know he can finish when he's in, in good, confident form. He's got good physicality that none of our other forwards really have. Um, and he's just, yet again, I mean, I don't want to compare him to Ruben Loftus-Cheek, very different players, careers, positions. But I think it shows that even when a player's not blowing the doors off and you're not saying, oh, this, this guy's got to be an out-and-out starter every week, there is serious value to having different profiles in your team. Um, because it's not a game of FIFA where you can just put out your best 11, play through the entire game, and hopefully win. There are injuries throughout the season. There are injuries within games. Players get tired. And Lukaku showed that little bit of class um, to get us a great goal-scoring opportunity, which obviously was not converted, um, but he showed his value to the team, and I think he is still a very valuable piece if we can get him firing. No, and I think that's the key, right? Is early on in the season,
0: Alex, you pointed out Lukaku had eight touches in in a game and he couldn't go past that and do anything. But when he gets his small opportunities and he gets that opportunity to give a flash of what he can bring to the team, all the rest is forgotten. Lukaku worked hard, dare I say, bullied a defender enough that they made a challenge and then we got something out of it. And if he didn't do anything for the rest of the game you would still remember that he got us that moment and he took that opportunity at that moment. I think that's important for all of these guys, similar to how we criticized Havertz last season. He's come a long way. And I do agree with you. Hopefully next season with a full preseason under his belt, more confidence coming into the team, he could be the Lukaku that we wanted this season. I think it just takes a little bit of time Rahul, Dawson gets a red card. He's off the only recognized center back, and they're going to miss him for the next couple of games here. But I'm not going to dwell on that piece of it. Jorginho steps up, and, you know, I think you would bet your house on Jorginho to score that penalty. But
1: what happens? I didn't bet my house, luckily. <laughs> so, because he, he misses. And it's funny because I think you and I were texting, and I said, Bruno missed one earlier this weekend. Yeah. And you know, he has a similar style with the hop, skip and, and, and jumping. Uh, is there going to be another one? And, and as you'd expect, it was another one, but it was almost a tired kind of yeah. effort. The energy wasn't there. He did his normal hop, skip, jump. But Fabianski waited and waited an extra couple of seconds because I think um, and they interviewed Fabianski after the game, and he said, I faced him, I think, three or four times already in the last year, and, and so I kind of know that it's not going to be right away. So I just held my ground and and at the last moment made the jump. Um, so I think Jorginho, yes, it was a poor penalty, but he also just got outsmarted by a keeper that he was prepared for this kind of event. Yeah. Um, having said that, the penalty was poor, and it wasn't in a corner. It wasn't really in a place where even if Fabianski waited, he had to dive and really make an effort to save it. It was really kind of at him. Um, And at that point, 87th minute, you're thinking this was our chance. I mean, Dawson's off. We got a penalty. It's kind of, you're not going to get that many more chances. And I think it comes back to, you mentioned that Jorginho is just, I think overall mentally and physically tired. Yeah. Uh, And The end of the season can't come soon enough for him because he has, like you said, played a lot. He played in our uh, Champions League uh, run last season. He played in the Italy run in in the Euros. He barely had maybe two weeks off, came back, hit it back running with Chelsea. So um, definitely a break, not just for for him. I think for everyone involved with Chelsea will be great because it's been a long two years of, of going just back to back to back. Now, I think that's something I'm noticing is it's not just Jorginho. A lot of
0: the guys are mentally exhausted and physically, of course, we've played a lot of football, like I said earlier, but one man was not physically tired and not mentally tired. And Alex, I'll bring you in for Captain America here. But before I let you talk about Pulisic, Mason Mount was another one that kept driving and found a way to get Alonzo the ball on the wing. But Alex, what happens from Alonzo on the wing there?
2: Yeah, well, Alonzo as he often does comes up clutch in a London Derby yet again, delivers a really good ball through quite a bit of pressure. There were a lot of players around, but he curled a great ball um, towards the center of the box. And then Christian Pulisic in a pretty trademark run into open space. He does seem to have a knack for, if not scoring every chance he gets, getting in a good position to receive the ball Um, connects nicely with it and just sort of taps it home into the bottom corner, not, I mean, certainly not an easy finish. I think he's missed easier chances than that one. Um, he still had some work to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, that that's all you can ask for. Fit. That's exactly what I was hoping for, exactly what he will have wanted and needed um, after a couple tough performances lately to get back there, have the confidence, take a nice shot, grab a match-winning goal. And now hopefully the the spirits are high again and he can keep performing. Because I think... What I mentioned to a few people too after they got, I might I say, irrationally angry at him for missing a couple <laughs> chances against Madrid. Um, which, by the way, I, I posted on my Twitter a screenshot of it. It was it was kind of crazy how people had been talking about it as if he missed some absolute sitters when the shots were quite contested. They weren't that easy. Neither was on the ground. Um, I mean, no player, players often miss open volleys, let alone volleys yeah. with with uh, defenders right there trying to put you off. But I think what people have underrated about Polišic, even in some of his misses, I know against Liverpool um, in the Carabao Cup final, he had a chance, everyone was saying should have been in. And I agree, I think he could be that little bit more clinical sometimes, but I like that he gets his shots on target um, because I think... At least four or five of his misses, so to speak, this season that I can remember, he's forced either very good positioning or a very good reaction, reaction save from the goalkeeper. And that's something where I think you often see wingers. I mean, you think about, I can think of numerous clips of Raheem Sterling, absolutely blazing balls wide or high from fantastic positions just by simply keeping it on the ground, which is not always the easiest thing for a winger who's not a, a born finisher, by keeping the ball low on frame and forcing at the very least a save from the keeper, you will eventually get that bit of luck and put it somewhere where the keeper isn't. So I I thought he was a little harshly treated for a few misses, given that you often see players put shots off target. Um, and here I thought, finally, he got that got that little bit of luck and and wasn't unlucky enough to have something get in the way of his shot yet again put it on target clinical finish and hopefully he's now now back in in good spirits and, and honestly just to echo what you're saying i think it's important to note
0: that he keeps getting these opportunities which means he's he's working to put himself in the position to get these opportunities what what i will say about this goal and and i don't know if I'll repeat it very often but I, I don't always want to wait till the 19th minute to score, but when you score in the 19th minute, the amount of joy and passion and excitement that you can feel as a fan. And I'm sure as Christian Pulisic is to get his team, the winner at the dying embers of the game is something that I think in the sport, it's really, really hard to recreate that kind of feeling. And so for me in the 87th minute, we're missing the penalty and I'm slumping down on the couch but in the 92nd or 93rd minute when the goal is going in and you're getting that burst of energy to get off and jump up, it's always adrenaline rush. And, and again, I don't want to have it every single game, but it's exciting. Rahul, I'll bring you in here. We come in with that win. It's it's an important win because we've got Arsenal and Tottenham on our tails. Now we have five points clear of Arsenal who is behind us, and we do have a game in hand. you comfortable that we're going to finish in that third position or we're going to get dragged into that top four scrap?
1: I want to say we will finish in the Champions League position. I'm <laughs> not going to stay third or fourth. Okay. Uh, because, yes, we win this game. You, you explained it pretty well, and, and Alex did well in, in covering the goal, and, and you did with the emotion that brings up scoring at the end. But I think, let's be honest, the performance was – Pretty average and and on another day we are going away nil nil kind of looking down and glum and saying, oh uh, like here's another game we didn't win at home so I think that's my concern right is is yes, we win this game, but with the tiredness with nothing really to play for apart from the FA Cup final, which is still a few weeks away, there just seems to be this sense of lack of I don't know, lack of motivation, passion, whatever you want to call it. Not not saying that it that's what is there, but looking from the outside and watching the games on TV, uh, it just doesn't seem like we're firing on all cylinders and we really want to finish off the season on a high. Again, now we win this game, and I think we really only need seven, eight, nine points, maybe from the remaining eight games. So, yes, we could lose a couple of games here and there and be okay, but I really don't want to finish behind Arsenal or Spurs because we've, <laughs> we, we've set our standards much higher and, and for the longest time we were aiming to win the title. Uh, so I would hope and, and wish that the next few games we just kind of sh- put enough daylight between us and the other teams that we don't have to worry about it and I can confidently say, yes, we're going to finish third. That's fair enough. But Alex, can you bring some positivity
0: to this conversation? (laughs) Raul's a little bit pessimistic and he's getting me worried. So I know you bring the positivity. Do you think we finish third? Do you think we qualify for Champions League? Do you think we just drag into the top four battle? What's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think, I think we finish third. I think it's not, I mean, I don't think we'll blow everyone away and, and lock it down as early as we could, but I think, I think we will finish third. We've currently got a five point gap on Arsenal in, fourth with a game in hand still to play um which is is on thursday yeah (laughs) there you go uh against man united so that's not going to be easy but at the same time i think even a draw against united puts us then six points ahead with what 38 games in the season so six points ahead with five games to go and arsenal's goal differential is 12 ours is 40 if it comes down to that we're we're good so if we get in a situation with five games to go and we can afford two major slip-ups, I'm confident that we will find a way to get it done. Um, Now, I mean, obviously it would have been nice to, to be a little more comfortable, but I think I really cannot complain. And frankly, the almost lack of ambition for champions league spots against uh, on the part of all the teams below (laughs) us has served us well, because when we've messed up, they have certainly messed up as well. So I'm not too worried. I think it hasn't been the, the prettiest, but I'm pretty confident in a third-place finish. I am too, and so I'm going to keep that positivity going. We'll wrap up West Ham there,
0: guys. It was a not the best performance, like Rahul said, but the win comes, and that's all we can count at towards the end of the season. But a couple of other games that I want to talk with you guys about. Saturday was an interesting day. Rahul, last game, we talked a little bit about Liverpool versus Manchester City and who you think would have the better edge. Ultimately, it came down to strikers. And one key item that you told me was Manchester City don't have a striker that can get you goals. They rely on other parts of the pitch. Well, apparently, (laughs) Gabriel Jesus turned into the episode because he scored four goals and came up with the assist for Manchester City to beat Watford 5-1. I'll give you an option here. Would you like Alex to jump in and and talk, or would you like to defend (laughs) your opinion
1: here? (laughs) I uh, Alex can certainly go first, <laughs> but I, I, I still maintain that I don't really see Jesus as a striker. And I'm actually trying to see, he didn't play as a striker, he played off, yeah. the, off the right side, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Jack Grealish played at the striker <laughs> and didn't get any of the goals. So, <laughs> I think I, I stand corrected in my opinion that. Uh, they don't have a striker that can can get them the goals. Jesus is a winger.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, Alex. They're a machine towards the end of the season. Do you see them dropping points towards the end of the season here?
2: No, oh, I don't know. I think probably my money would still be on City to grind it out because we've just seen how how they can they can find ways to get results and and not always scraping them. I mean, like yeah. here, they can just put teams to the sword when they're in the mood. Um, And Pep has turned them, as you said, into a machine. I think it's, certainly my money would be on them, but with a one point gap, that's the exciting thing. It is certainly not over. Um, And definitely I I agree, Jesus, I think, has been used more as a winger this season and yet that's brought out some of his qualities because he's been able, I think, to stray from physicality, which he doesn't really have and, and use a bit more of his pace. Um, I've seen him get a few good assists this season from from crossing from wide areas Uh, and I think Pep has yet again found a pretty effective way to use one of his players but I don't see them I don't see them choking I hope they don't frankly I can I can bear another Man City title (laughs) (laughs)
0: let's talk about Charity FC from the middle of the week, Rahul. We allowed Arsenal to come in and take over us, but they went on and they're having a good run. They beat Manchester United 3-1. That's,
1: that's what we do. You're welcome, Arsenal. <laughs> uh, no, I, I you expected it, right? I think Arsenal, with the result that they got against us, were, were confident that going into that game against United and United now, I'm going to say something and probably regret it on Thursday afternoon after the game ends, but United just seemed to be waiting for the end of the season they they've had for a while the better squad the better players the better opportunity to finish fourth uh but they haven't taken it and they've gotten to a point where they sit, i think four games left and they've played a couple of games more than us four games left and i think it's really really slim chances that they make top four so um Arsenal came out with more to fight and play for and, and certainly played that way and got the result couple of dodgy decisions from, from VAR and, and maybe on a different day it's 2-2 from a Bruno penalty which could have been converted um, but it just wasn't meant to be for United. Alex, do you think
0: United are waiting for the end of the season or is Rahul getting ahead of himself before we play them on Thursday?
2: The uh, they, I mean they always seem to decide it's a Champions League final against <laughs> <laughs> maybe because they haven't been near a Champions League final in a while but hopefully, I don't know. I, I do. I feel, I feel like Chelsea just have not gotten, (laughs) luck. not only this season, but just, I feel like the past few seasons, we've actually performed impressively well considering some of the bad luck we've had. And I would not be, I would not be surprised to see Arsenal thrash us and then thrash United, but then United decide that they're going to bounce back and turn into world beaters again. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not too stressed. I hope. I hope their minds are already on their nice summer vacations. But I. I'm not sure that's. That's going to be true. Um, and I'm sure they'll want to hit back and end on a strong note, especially because they're competing for European football in general. Um, it's looking like they'll probably get it. But I'm sure Cristiano Ronaldo will not want to be playing in the Conference League. So I think they're going to be finishing strong. We'll talk about United a little bit later when we do our build-up to that. But
0: I want to talk about Liverpool for just a minute here and Liverpool versus Everton. Rahul, I'll come back to you. I think for that first half, Everton were pretty solid with their game plan and Liverpool had a similar story to Chelsea in where they struggled to break down that defensive low block. And ultimately, it comes in the form of Divock Origi, who this week Jurgen Klopp has called a world-class striker. And it's interesting. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It is interesting that he's able to pull somebody who doesn't play very often but when called upon does become a world-class striker and contributes in this case to both the goals that happened. So your thoughts on Liverpool overall, and maybe a quick word on Everton because it's getting worrisome over there.
1: Yeah. Like you said, the first half I was feeling hopeful for Everton and they came out and performed pretty well. Uh, but it's always that one moment with, with Everton where a lapse of concentration or a bit of magic from the opposition, or even just a mistake from Everton and, and they concede a goal and then it just, it's just a bigger task against Liverpool, especially. And yeah, you touched on Origi. I think saw somewhere that uh, Funes Mori, who was an Everton player in 2016, put in a tough tackle, broke his leg, I believe. And since then, he's been on a personal vendetta to just destroy Everton, and has scored it was seven or eight goals in like five appearances against them um so yeah i mean if it's ever you just have to tell him it's everton every game and he'll he'll get you a gold <laughs> uh but yeah you're right i think and i, I look at liverpool squad right and we're talking about we're tired and we haven't we've played so many games but they're all super fresh raring to go it doesn't matter who comes in who's playing was the salah Mane, diaz uh, and i think that's what is the benefit of having four trophies to play for right you you can't Get sluggish or, or get tired. Um, but yeah, you got to give them credit. And, and like Alex was saying, and you were saying, Man City are a machine. I think Liverpool certainly are too. But just they always find a way to win and they create so many chances that they'll always get at least one goal in the game. Um, will they get the title? I hope not. But we'll, we're in for a good finish, at least at the top of the table. I'll skip the title question for you, Alex. Do Everton survive?
2: I mean, it, it won't be easy, I guess, from a Chelsea perspective, you'd say good riddance. Then again, <laughs> from a, a fan's perspective of of Lampard, you maybe don't want him to have that on his resume. If we have uh, – I mean, we know he's been thrown into a, a tough job at a tough point in the season. Um, so I guess it depends on what wins out, your desire to see Everton relegated or your desire to see Lampard stay up. I would be okay. I I want to beat them when we play them. But if, if their wins don't come against us, I would be fine. If they stayed up, I do like, I think Lampard needs a, um, I think it could be nice for him to get a full season uh, as coach next year and be able to really see what he has to offer Um, because he came into Chelsea at a difficult period uh, with the transfer ban and then he came into Everton midseason crazy unstable underperforming squad he's really thrown himself into the fire in the Premier League and he's had some impressive impressive things to show for it but it hasn't been easy and I think um, for my love of Frank Lampard I hope they do stay up and I think I think they can squeak it out um, but full full team Chelsea obviously when we play them um, but I hope Lampard makes it happen Yeah, I agree with you and echo the same sentiments there.
0: One more game I want to talk about, guys, before we move on to the Chelsea women is Crystal Palace versus Leeds. That game ends in a draw, but I want to talk about it for different reasons. Jesse Marsh has been here now for seven games, I believe. And, you know, a lot of stuff was said in the recruitment process or right above until he was hired about Americans in the game and they're not able to understand the game. And, you know, not necessarily derogatory things, but things that are coming from not understanding who Jesse Marsh is and what he brings to the table. And it was a discussion that came up, I believe, on NBC or maybe Sky Sports. I'm not sure which one. But ultimately, he's been here. He's had seven games. He's won three of them, drawn two of them, and lost two of them, which isn't too bad considering where Leeds were. And a couple of things people don't understand or may not know is he actually has been in Europe for a while as well. He's been with RB Salzburg. I think that's in Austria where he had a 68% win percentage. And then he went to RB Leipzig for a little bit where he only had a 38% win percentage. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen with him. But Alex, maybe a quick word from you on the American aspect of it. He seems to be doing a good job. He seems to know what he's doing. He didn't come out of thin air and it's just holding it together and hoping it works.
2: Yeah, he's he's definitely putting up some big results at a time when leads really, really need them. Um, I mean, the just looking at their form since their victory over Norwich, they haven't lost a game. I think it's key that he stays in that role for the American side of things because last I can remember, I think it was what Bob Bradley with, with Swansea, was it? Um, That's off, off the top of my mind. What's what's coming to my mind when I think about American coaches in the premier league.
1: sounds, Sounds right.
2: Yeah. Um, I know he was he had a pretty messy exit and that kind of put the nail in the coffin for a lot of people saying oh of course Americans can't manage at this level but I like him I I hope I hope Jesse keeps things going and weirdly I mean I know I'm supposed to hate Leeds but my American bias now makes me hope that along with Everton they stay up for the sake of both him and Lampard so for the managers I hope those two teams squeeze it out because frankly, I'd also rather relegate Burnley than either of those two. Um, and yeah, I think, I think he does bring something good. He brings something very good from an American perspective because we've struggled to even on the national team side saying is Greg Burhalter good enough to manage the national team? Do we have other elite coaches coming through the ranks who could really take us to the next level as a national team side and as a country and I think it's fantastic to have representation on the biggest, uh, the biggest league stage in in world football in the Premier League. So I do hope he keeps he keeps things rolling, and I think I think he has it in him. And I would love watching him succeed as much as it's unfortunate that he's managing Leeds uh, for his personal sake. I'm I'm Team Jesse.
0: Yeah, and Very well said. I think that makes a lot of sense and for the future of Americans managing in not only England, but Europe as well. I think it's it's a huge milestone and stepping stone. Rahul, before we go into the women's side, I'll just run through the uh, league table very quickly, and then you can run us through the women's game. Manchester City in first with 80 points, Liverpool in second with 79 points, just a point to first there. It's going to get really exciting. Chelsea in third right in that middle spot with 65 points and, and Arsenal quick behind us with 60 points and Tottenham Pretty close as well with 58 points. At the bottom, it's getting interesting because Everton have dropped into the bottom three for the first time and Burnley have made it out. So Burnley in 17th, Everton in 18th, Watford in 19th and Norwich in 20th. So Everton and Burnley maybe leads, hopefully not, but it's going to go to the last few days again, gentlemen. And we'll see how that plays out. But Rahul, I'll pass it over to you because the women have a double header, but they kicked off the first piece of it pretty well from what I can tell.
1: Yeah, a dramatic London derby against Spurs away. And um, I guess in Chelsea fashion, we didn't make it easy. We conceded an, uh, an unfortunate own goal from from Sophie Ingle. It's, it's a corner that gets taken, uh, bounces off the bar, bounces off Ingle back into the goal, and, and Spurs take the lead 1-0. We find a way back. And, and like I was saying with Liverpool, there's always goals in them. The Chelsea women's squad have... Always, always have goals in them and and since we've been covering them on, on this podcast we've spoken about big wins we've spoken about wins in general 1-0 2-0 so they always find a way and in this case Guru writes in scores from a pretty acute angle uh, she's running down the wing and, and gets into the box and basically chips it over the goalie uh, reminded me of Lampard uh, a few years ago but she makes it 1-1 and, and like I said to you a few weeks ago it's it's so tight and stressful up there because there's a point between Arsenal and, and, and Chelsea at the top of the table. And Everton were playing Arsenal. Arsenal had the easiest game, you could say. Uh, so Chelsea going down a goal, having to fight back, and then getting a red card for Berger, uh, who comes out running, trying to trying to close the angle, takes the player down, gets the red card, and, and now we're tied 1-1, but we're down to 10. Uh, Emma Hayes has to shift things around. But we, again, stay in the game, hold on, stay 1-1. One, one. Muskovich comes on for Berger, uh, who was sent off, like I said, and, and she pulls off some good saves and keeps us in the game, which allows us to go ahead and finally get the second goal through, none other than Sam Kerr, who now has 17 goals in 17 uh, Super League games. So she's always one that is was one we mentioned on, on here for the goals. And at 2-1, you could see the, the squad were believing The bench was believing that we can kind of go ahead and see this game out. Spurs were were trying their best, but even with 10, I think we were the superior side and and that's credit to the squad and, and and Emma Emma Hayes for uh, building that character into them. That we're not, doesn't matter how many things have gone against us. We're going to stay here and fight. And then Jesse Fleming, who came on as a late sub, scores a rocket from pretty much midfield where she just steps up and, and, and scores and, this was in the 95th minute, which wasn't really, we weren't really going anywhere with the game, but it just made it more comfortable. And uh, we faced them again on Thursday. So it seems the last few weeks, the men and the women's squad basically play on the same day and and compete to match each other's results. So uh, hopefully they can both win again. And, and Chelsea, the women's squad at least, need to win to stay top of the table. They have to continue to win to stay at top of the table. Because like you said, a
0: point keeping them apart from Arsenal, which is going to Make it another close finish similar to what's going on in the men's league with Manchester City and Liverpool. But I think we can see it out. I think we've got the talent and the know-how to push them till the end. But again, can't get ahead of ourselves. So hopefully the next game is going to be good. Next game we can get a win and continue from there. But let's move back to the men's side again, gentlemen, and let's talk about the Manchester United preview. I'll give you a couple of insights here, which... They're not really good insights, but I feel the need to share them with you guys anywhere so we can see what's going to come up. But Manchester United are unbeaten in their last eight home league matches against Chelsea. So they've also kept five clean sheets in that run. So that's not a good omen overall, but maybe, you know, it's time to break that omen and and break that duck with them. Uh, Again, we've not won eight games against them, which is, it's not looking good. Five draws and three losses. So not happy about that stat overall. We're going to go in to see them now. Um, big news coming out of Manchester United, guys. They've got a new manager appointed, Eric Ten Hag. He's the coach of Ajax. we have familiar with him a little bit. We've signed a couple of players from Ajax recent times, Ziyech, that have come and know his style as well. So it's going to be interesting to see them with a new coach next season. They've made some changes. The current coach, Ralph Ragnick, is going to move up into a director of football's position from what we understand Some of their scouts are leaving the club. So a lot of wholesale changes. Other news that is not confirmed, but coming out is Paul Pogba may not renew his contract. He will be leaving Manchester United. Juan Mata will be moving on as well. Matic doing his little three-nail at the weekend, getting excited over there. He's also moving on. So Max exodus to come at Man United. So we may see a completely different Man United next season, but that's for the future. For this game coming up, Alex, I'll come back to you. Who does Tuchel start?
2: Oh, it is a tough one always. I think I think you probably would start Mendy and then Chalaba put in a good performance. Thiago Silva is always solid. And then I know some people have differing opinions because since Rudiger has come out and said he's leaving, I know some people are saying thank you, Rudiger. We're going to now, <laughs> we should play the players who want to stay here. Now others would say we have one of the best center backs in the league. You, you might as well use him. And I probably fall in that camp. I think we need to get, get the last bit of, of quality that we can milk Rudiger for, for all he's worth while we, we still are lucky enough to have him at the club. So I think probably Shalaba, Silva, Rudiger make up the back three for me because I think we just have to put out the best players we have. Um, and then, yeah, we've, we've seen so many different combinations of who can fill in at wingback, in midfield, up top. I don't know what your opinions are there, but I personally, I'd like to see Pulisic at a few more minutes. I'm not sure it'll happen. I don't think necessarily that Timo Werner was super impressive in, in, our most recent game i think i think hopefully there's at least some uh some consideration of of getting decent ballistic minutes um but and i actually would not object to having uh lukaku on the pitch for a significant amount of time considering uh the uh harry Maguire situation at the back for manchester united I would love to see a little bit of uh, bullying, hopefully not the kind of bullying Maguire receives from his own supporters, but bullying on the pitch at Lukaku's hand. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't know if you guys have any preferences on who you would who you would fill in. No, I think that's a good shout
0: because Christian Pulisic coming off a goal potentially is in, in hot form, should be started if he can. Timo Werner maybe gets a rotation out. Uh, Mason Mount, I think, would be a guy that needs to be on the team sheet as well. That means he could be paired up there with Pulisic and Lukaku. Not a bad front three. Well, I'll come back to you for the midfield. I think Alonso picks himself at left wing back because he's really the only option we have over there at this point. Uh, who do you play at right, right wing back? And then who do you play in the middle?
1: If Reese is fit, I would I would go with him. Otherwise, I would go with uh, Loftus-Cheek. I think he just fits that position a little bit better than the central midfield position Uh, where I think the onus on him to create and do more uh, is hampering him a little bit because he doesn't want to take the risks. And a lot of people say he's always passing sideways and backwards. Uh, So if Reese isn't fit, then lost his cheek at right wing back, which would leave me with Jorginho and Conte uh, in midfield. And hopefully Jorginho's tiredness or or, or, uh, overall mental fatigue uh, can doesn't impact him because he can influence a game. And in this game, we're going to have a lot of the ball. Uh, we're going to be able to dictate the play as much as we wanted. Uh, but there's always the Cristiano Ronaldo factor and, and United turning up uh, and Chelsea turning into charity FC. So uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot to still play for in the sense that it would be nice for us to go away and get this win because that would just... Build up some confidence and get some belief for the rest of this uh, game's coming yeah look you guys have put together a fine
0: starting 11 anytime we play Manchester United though I get worried especially since we talked about our last few performances to them at home new manager coming a lot of changes they might be excited I'm going to be a little bit conservative and go for a 2-2 draw uh,
1: Rahul what's your
0: thoughts on, on a result for this
1: I am thinking of a draw as well, uh, based on everything you've read about us not beating <laughs> them, and and the the last time we faced a team that was coming off of two losses or three losses was Arsenal, and you saw how that went. So, uh, if we get our team selection right, I think we can win. But I don't know. I I, I do see Cristiano with getting a, a chance or two, and and if Mendy is not on his on his game, then that might be dangerous but i'm going to go for a dull nil nil alex save this podcast from being dull do you have the
0: same opinion of a draw do you have a win do you have a loss and you going to make it exciting what do you what do you think
2: i think we can come out with a win i think hopefully maybe we haven't been playing at our very best lately but neither have man united and they certainly have been a bogey team for us in in recent years but i think with the quality we have and with the quality, frankly, they're lacking at the moment. I think we can come up with this one. So for me, I was I was sort of thinking 2-0, but maybe 2-1 is, is a realistic scoreline because Ronaldo always is a danger man. Um, hopefully our, our center backs can contain him. Uh, but I think as a whole... Maybe maybe almost similarly to Real Madrid. It's a tough comparison to draw. I think Madrid obviously are, are better than United. But I think we can outplay them as a team. I think on the whole, if you went squad for squad, you would bet on Chelsea to dictate the flow of the game, as we did against Madrid, and really took the fight to them. However, as with Madrid, they have arguably one of the goats of this generation up top who always has a fantastic moment in him if you just give him a half chance. So I think it could actually end up being a kind of similar situation where if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot and make dumb mistakes, we can prevent their quality and and world-class player up top from getting any of those chances. But as you guys have said, sometimes we just turn into charity FC, and hopefully, hopefully, it's not against United because they don't need our help. Hopefully, the the fundraising for the charity has closed, and we don't have to deal
0: with that anymore. Will maybe give us your parting thoughts, and then take us home for the episode.
1: Yeah, if we are going to be charity FC this weekend, rather we give it to Lampard over the weekend than than fair Juggles, enough, yeah. dad on Thursday <laughs> night. <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it's going to be a fun game. And Tuchel, I don't think he's faced United away as Chelsea manager. So that's another piece of element that comes into play where all these records and stats that you've read, he could just be like, you know what, screw it, we're going to go get the <laughs> win. And and away from home, we've only really lost to West Ham and Man City. So we, we should do the business, but... Nothing's guaranteed in the Chelsea world. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chelsea. And as always, send us your feedback, and we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea.